The testimonies, didn't you? Great stories. Let's give them a big hand, man. We appreciate that. Here, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Everybody's got a story to tell. I just hope and pray that your story includes Jesus Christ because he's the difference maker. I'm telling you, he can change your life. And before you leave today, I hope that you find Jesus. It's pretty cool. In, in, in almost all those testimonies, the people said, uh, you know, the preacher preached the sermon. I don't remember a word he said. <laughs> Oh, that, that cracked me up, you know, and, 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 but you know what? That's okay. That's okay. What is important is that you hear the voice of God, all right? And I believe that God is going to speak to you today in an incredible way. Man, I'm glad you're here. You're looking good. Wow. Man, everybody looks great. Everybody's wearing their, their, their fancy Easter clothes. Zane, come up here, buddy. I'm going to pick on my son just for a second. Come on up here, Studley. Man, here's my, here's my 16-year-old. Isn't he looking good? Man, woo, wow, here's the deal, look, look, I'm looking up at him now, man, <laughs> wow, it doesn't even look good, I wish I had those three, go sit down, son, that was awesome, man, I, man, it's making me look bad, hey, I love Easter stories, cute little Easter stories, don't you, cute little Easter stories, like I can remember when I was a kid, I had some little chicks, uh, little colored chicks, in fact, we've got little colored chicks in the gym. I'll tell you more about those chicks and the pictures that you can have your kids make with them later. But I had a little chick. My sister had a little chick. It was Easter time. I think hers was yellow. Mine was blue. And uh, everybody's in the house. I went out in the garage, and I thought, you know what? These little chicks are in these little boxes, and they're lonely, and they need some activity. So I thought I'd give them a ride. And the nearest thing... Close to me was our fertilized spreader. And so I put the little chicks in the fertilized spreader, and I was just taking them for a ride. Red, blue, yellow. The three don't mix very well. Isn't that a cute little story? <laughs> or, or how about this one? Uh, a man went on vacation to the Holy Lands for a week. He took his wife and his mother-in-law with him. While they were over there, the mother-in-law got really sick and she died. So they took her body to the undertaker. The undertaker said, well, you got two options. Uh, we can send the body back home. It'll cost you about $5,000. Or we can do a funeral right here and bury her in the Holy Land. It'll only cost you $500. Man said, we're going to ship her home. Surprised, the undertaker responded, are you sure? That's, that's an awful big expense and we can do a very nice job here. The man said, look. 2,000 years ago, they buried a guy over here, and three days later, he came out of the grave. I'm not going to take that chance. Let's send her home. Let me tell you, the tomb is empty. Jesus Christ is risen today. We serve a risen Savior. Woo, man, that's exciting. How about I give the invitation right now? That would be pretty, oh, I got a sermon. Today I'm going to start a new series. Uh, I've entitled it, I Need a Miracle. Boy, do, do you ever feel that way? You just need a miracle. You need God to come through for you. Things are bad. They're getting worse. You need a miracle. Ever feel that way? All right. We're going we're gonna to preach a sermon series through the miracles of the Gospel of John over the next eight weeks, and I've entitled it, I Need a Miracle. I, I based the title on a uh, song by my favorite Christian group, Third Day. Don't y'all like Third Day? Anybody listen to Third Day? Oh, 17 of us do. Man, they're, they're a great group. Uh, I think it's pretty cool. They're named Third Day, and this is the 
third day that we're uh, recognizing today. Anyway, they have a, a song entitled, I Need a Miracle. It's actually the name of their 11th album. It was just simply entitled Miracle. And it was inspired by a conversation that the lead singer, Matt Mac Powell, had with an older couple in New Jersey after one of the concerts. Mac said, uh, this couple came up to me and told me about their son. Uh, he was a grown man, had a wife and some small children, and uh, some things started happening in his life that weren't good. He lost his job, he lost his health, his marriage fell apart, and uh, he got to a really low place in life. And, and they said, our son decided the only thing left for him to do was to commit suicide, to take his own life and escape all of this. And so he left a note for his family, got in an old pickup truck, and was driving out in the woods where he was going to kill himself. And on the way out there, he turned on the radio. He said, I want to listen to one more song before I end it all. And it just happened to be on a Christian radio station, and the song just happened to be one of Third Day's songs entitled, Cry Out to Jesus, <laughs> which is a great song in and of itself. It really, the content of that song is summed up in the title. All you have to do is cry out to Jesus and he's going to hear you. And so this young man was encouraged by the song. He cried out to Jesus. Jesus changed his heart and changed his life and gave him hope. So he turned that old pickup truck around, went back home, made a reconciliation with his life and, and things are good for him. The couple said to Mac... Our son would be here tonight to thank you personally, but he's on a missions trip. Wow, what a transformation. Isn't that great? Uh, let me sing for you the chorus of that song. No, I'm not going to sing it. <laughs> Had you going, didn't I? Here's the words of the chorus of I Need a Miracle. Well, no matter who you are and no matter what you've done. Boy, quick time out. That's all of us, isn't it? No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, there will come a time when you can't make it on your own. And in your hour of desperation, know that you're not the only one praying, Lord above, I need a miracle. And if you're here today and you need a miracle, you have come to the right place. Today we're going to look at the greatest miracle of all times and how that miracle relates to your life. This one event, the physical, bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the tomb, is the single greatest event in the history of the world. It, it literally makes all the difference in our lives. And this morning I'd like to share with you one of the Bible's greatest verses about the resurrection. It's found in John chapter 14, verse 19. Here's what Jesus said. He told his disciples, before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you will also live. Did you get that? Jesus said, because I live, you will also live. He spoke those words on the night before he was to be crucified the next day. He was in an upstairs room with his disciples in downtown Jerusalem, having a meal with his friends, trying to help them wrap their minds around what was about to happen. He begins John chapter 14 with, with these words. He said, do not let your hearts be troubled. Woo, boy, 
I tell you what, that could open up a can of worms for us today, couldn't it? I'm not a betting man. You need to know that about me, all right? But if I were to make a wager, I would say that every one of us in this room today has something in our lives that could be troubling our hearts. Because that's the way this world is. Maybe for you it's a financial problem. It could be a a family issue. Maybe it's a health issue. But there is something in your life today that is troubling your heart. Well, for the 12 disciples, they had a whole lot of reasons on this particular evening to be troubled. But Jesus forbade it. He said, not on my watch is your heart going to be troubled. He said, let not your hearts be troubled. And then down in verse 19, he gives a very powerful antibiotic for the troubled heart. Because I live, you will also live. What powerful words. I mean, really, think about it. What powerful words. He said, because I live, because I am risen from the dead, because I overcame death, hell, and the grave, because of Easter, you have everything you need to heal your troubled heart. Man, woo, come on. Isn't that great? I'm telling you, that is phenomenal. That is the miracle of Easter. So let me spend just a few minutes with you talking about the miracle of Easter and what it means to your life personally. Miracle number one, because he lives, we have hope. Because he lives, we have hope. Church, let me tell you, we live in a hopeless world. There's not a whole lot of hope out there. In fact, every time I turn on the TV or read the newspaper, I don't get encouraged. There's not this warm, fuzzy feeling that grows up inside of me saying, Wow, aren't things great? (laughs) Because you never hear of anything great. I mean, there's trouble in our world. There's hard times in our world. There is no hope in our world. I have very little hope or confidence in the political system as it is in America today. (laughs) Our hope is not in Washington, D.C., We don't have hope in this world, but you can have hope in Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what he says. That's that's the specific application that Jesus is making here. Because I live, he says, you shall live also. Whenever I quote this verse or read this verse, my mind instantly thinks about this song done by Bill and Gloria Gaither back in the 60s that says, Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives... All fear is gone because I know who holds tomorrow and life is worth the living just because he lives. I don't know if many of you know that song. It's a song that we sing in our first service. In fact, when I'm explaining the two different services of our church to to people who've never been here, I'll tell them about the first service. It's kind of like Bill Gaither music. And for those who can relate to Bill Gaither music, they get it. It, It's a happy music, a southern gospel happy kind of music. And this is a great song. Okay, for for the 30 of us in here who know it, isn't it a great song? But I'm going to tell you, what's even greater is the story behind the song. In fact, Gloria Gaither wrote about it, and, and she told about 
her and Bill's life living in the 1960s, starting their family and trying to raise their family. She said, uh, when Bill and I started our family in the 60s, racial tensions were tearing America apart. Civil rights activists had suffered and some had even been killed. She said the Vietnam conflict was claiming thousands of lives and tensions boiled over into university campuses. Many young people were becoming disillusioned and they were dropping out. She said it was in this climate that Bill and I sought to write songs with lasting answers to the turmoil that is in the hearts of people. But in the fall of 1969, she said, several things happened to test the reality of our own convictions. She said it was in the fall of 69 that I found out I was pregnant with our third child. And while we always planned on having a third child, she said we didn't need or want one then. She said my body hadn't even recovered from the second child. And here I am pregnant again. And about that same time, she said, my husband Bill became very sick with mononucleosis. It left him exhausted and extremely depressed. She said the combination of national turmoil and the personal problems we were having as a family discouraged us. And she said, oftentimes we would sit down and talk about it and ask each other, if this world is like this right now, What will it be like in 15 or 16 years from now for our baby? What in the world is this baby going to face? Let me just do a quick time out. Have you ever wondered that? I mean, I think about that all the time. But but then she said we pondered and we prayed about it and, and we came to realize anew that our courage does not come from a stable world. Because, folks, this world has never been stable. In fact, if you examine it, Jesus Christ himself was born in the cruelest of times. She said, no, no, we have babies. We raise families. We risk living because the resurrection is true. It's real. She went on to say, our our baby arrived safe and sound in 1970. We named him Benjamin, which means most beloved son. And then two weeks later, this song, Because He Lives, was born in our hearts and it poured out of our soul. And, And here's the second verse. And I've seen Bill Gaither sing this song before with his family gatherings. And he always sings verse two first. It goes like this. How sweet to hold a newborn baby. And feel the pride and joy he gives. But greater still the calm assurance. This child can face uncertain days because he lives. <laughs> Man, what a great thrill. Gloria went on to say this, this song has been uh, such an inspiration to us for years. Because of the truth. Because he lives, we can face tomorrow. She said, as the years went on, things changed. Our our families changed. Our careers changed. Everything around us was changing. But this song was very personal to us because of the truth that it speaks about. It's our song. But we're glad that it became other people's song as well. And I'm saying, it's my song today. I love this song because of the truth behind it. Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Because I live, you can live too. Amen? 
And we can have hope. Miracle number two. Because he lives, we can be happy. Right? Look at me. Everybody look at me. Are you happy? Huh? Really think about that. Are you really happy? I know a lot of people whose happiness is, is like a roller coaster. You know? It goes up and down. The, the, the barometer of their happiness is just floating all over the place. Why? Because it depends for them on what's happening at that very moment in life. If things are going good, they're up. Things are bad, they're down. Maybe about the new gadgets they get. I can remember when my kids were little and, and would get them something. They thought it, it was the greatest thing until their sibling got something else that was a little better. And they got jealous and they're down again. Remember that way when you're... For you, we don't change as adults, you know? Wait for the newest technology to come out, get the new, new iPhone, and man, we're excited. Look at what this thing does. Then somebody comes along with the Samsung and says, look what mine does. Ooh. Ooh, a little jealous, man. Up and down on the happiness. Well, happiness is like that. You know why? Because that is a counterfeit happiness. That's what most people have in life. That's all they ever discover. But there is more to it than that. There is an other side of it. The Bible calls the other side of the fake happiness joy. A lot of people never discover joy. In fact, someone said happiness depends on happenings. But joy depends on Jesus. And the only way you can have this kind of happiness, this joy, is by having Jesus live in your heart. You know, when you walk through the shopping malls and amusement parks of this world, you see a lot of people experiencing what I call fool's joy. It's a fake joy. It's fake. It's not real. I just had one of those inspirations. I usually, usually when I have these and I'm preaching, I'm best to just ignore them and not talk about them. But I can remember when I was a little kid, and, and I told you about the telephone that my mama had in the kitchen. My dad worked for the phone company, and so the, the, the cord on the phone was like 150 feet long. She could walk through the house talking on the phone. She could go out in the backyard and hang clothes talking on the phone. And she did that all the time with church ladies. They were sharing prayer requests, you know. And... Uh, I can remember as a little kid, I'd be down... Mom, I'm sorry, you might want to leave the room here. Wait a I'd be down playing with my Lincoln Logs. Anybody ever have Lincoln Logs, you know? Be playing with them or some trucks or something, and Mom would start laughing. But it wasn't her real laugh. I mean, my mama had a real laugh, and I know what a real laugh... This was a fake laugh. Remember that? Remember me saying this to you? And, and here's what I would do. I'd say, you're faking, you're faking. That's a fake laugh. I was just a little bit kid. You're faking. You're faking. It's a fake laugh. And Gary, you know what she'd do to me? Pa-wham! I'd go flying across the... Knock down all my little Lincoln logs. And... Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm in trouble now. I got to drive all the way to Texas with them this week. I'll hear about that. I'm telling you. You know what? That's what a lot of people experience in life. It's that fake joy, that fool's joy. They think they're happy. But they're really not. Because it doesn't last. That, that joy quickly fades and it doesn't endure in their heart. It, it doesn't characterize their lives. It, it doesn't really glitter and glisten in their personality like the real thing does. I mean, when you've got the joy of the Lord in your heart, it's going to radiate through your face and life. Even in the bad times. Hmm. The Bible teaches us that the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And that the joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Jesus was talking to his disciples that day in the upper room. He was only hours away from his death on the cross. And yet in that upper room discourse, I'm amazed at how many times Jesus talked about joy. As he was facing death, he was teaching a lesson on joy to his disciples. I picked out just a few verses to share with you. What about John 15, 11? Same discourse. It continues in chapter 15. Here's what he said. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be complete. Then in the very next chapter, 16, verse 20, he said, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. He said, the the world is going to be rejoicing when they crucify me on the cross. You're going to grieve about it, but don't you worry. That grief is going to turn into joy because death won't hold me down. He goes on to say in verse 22, Now is your time of grief, but I will see you again, and you will rejoice, and nobody is going to take away your joy. So, man, listen to me. If you've got the joy, don't let people be stealing your joy. They can't take it away. It's down in your heart. Then in verse 24, until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be complete. Boy, I could preach a whole other sermon or series on that. He's our Heavenly Father. Jesus is our Savior. He loves us. We pray in His name. We ask. We believe. And it is for joy that He answers our prayer. What joy! So I ask you, do you have the joy of the Lord in your heart? It's not a fake happiness. It's something that is real. It's something on the inside. It's something that this world can't still take away or copy. (laughs) It's the joy of the Lord. Number three, miracle number three. Because he lives, we can have holiness. Now, maybe you're unaware of the fact that you even need holiness in your life. I doubt that you woke up this morning saying, Saying to yourself, man, when I get to church, I, I hope the pastor dishes out a big old bowl of holiness. Because I know I need some holiness in my life. Well, you probably weren't even thinking about that. But let me tell you, you do. We need holiness. In fact, listen to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14. It says, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Without holiness, you don't get to heaven. Without holiness in your life, you're never going to see God. In other words, the sin that is in our lives separates us from God. There is is no way we can do enough good things to be holy in and of ourselves. You You can never do enough good works. No one or nothing who is sinful is ever going to dwell in the holiness and purity of God's presence. None of us can achieve holiness on our own efforts. So... God did something for us. God entered into humanity and took upon himself the form of a man, was made in the likeness of sinful humanity. He became sin for us so that we could be free from our sins. Romans 4.25 says he was delivered over to death for our sins and he was raised for our justification. Listen to me, church. In other words, by his death and resurrection, he made it possible for our sins to be reckoned to his account and his holiness to be reckoned to our account. In other words, he took my sins from me 
and in place of that, He gave me His holiness. That's why it's so important to believe Jesus and receive the gift of salvation. Without this gift of salvation and without the blood of Jesus Christ covering your sins, you will never see God. Okay? Because you can't do it on your own. Miracle number four. Because He lives, we can have heaven. Man, go back and look and see how this chapter started. Verse 1 of chapter 14. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. What a great promise, man. What a great promise. Jesus said, I'm going, I'm going back up to heaven and I'm going to make a place for you. You're going to have a mansion of your own, a place in heaven. So don't worry about it. You're going to get to go there when you die if you believe in me. Yeah. If you trust in me, you're going to get to go to heaven. I told the first service, this is just the end of March, but this year, 2016, I have either been to or conducted over a dozen funerals. And I found out this morning, a dear church member of ours, Hester Grubb, passed away this morning. We're going to be having her funeral soon. Curtis Hall, my neighbor, his brother passed away this morning. This past week, my Aunt Vonnie Rogers passed away. We're going to Texas to do her funeral on Tuesday. We have another dear precious man in our church that's in hospice care. He's not going to make it much longer. He's about to be promoted to heaven. I can't tell you how many funerals I've been to in my life and how many funerals I have conducted. Hundreds. Hundreds of them. I'm not saying this to depress you. You need to understand on this celebration Easter day that death is a reality of life. What I want you to know is this, in all of the hundreds and hundreds of funerals that I've been to, I have this one conscious thought every time I'm either at a funeral or I'm preaching a funeral. And my thought is this, Will, Will Harmon, do you understand, realize, and recognize the fact that the next funeral you go to might be your own? It's going to happen. Just a matter of when. And here's the deal. You, you know I'm a straight shooter. Whether it be cowboy action or preaching. Eh? I try to shoot straight. Here's the deal. When you die, you're going somewhere. There are two options. Hell or heaven. I'm not going to preach a sermon on hell, but let me tell you, friend, you don't want to go there. It was actually made for the devil and his demons. It is a place of eternal torment. It is so dark and so painful, but the pain never goes away. It is forever. And here's what you got to do to go to hell. Nothing. Nothing. You just live your life. And if you, that's all you do is just live your life, no matter how good of a person you've been or how bad of a person you've been. If you just live and you never invite Jesus into your heart, you do nothing, you're going to go to hell. That's it. The other option is heaven. You've got to make a choice to go to heaven. 
In fact, you're wondering this morning, probably ask yourself, well, how, how can I go to heaven? How can I know that? You're not the only one who's asked that question. Thomas asked that question right here in our passage. He said, Lord, what are you talking about? How do we we get to heaven? How do we know the way? Here's what Jesus said. Here's Jesus' answer. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. Nobody sees the Father except they go through me. There's only one way to heaven. It's through Jesus Christ. Now make no mistake about it. There are many ways to Jesus Darla told us she made it to uh, Jesus through watching Billy Graham on TV. Eh? Sandy told us she, she did it to VBS. I don't know where you were when you got saved, but maybe you're here today and today's going to be your day. You're going to go home and in 10 years you're going to say, I can't remember a single thing that preacher said. <laughs> but God spoke to my heart and I realized I needed Jesus in my life. He's the only way you can get to heaven. But praise God, He is the way. He is the way, He is the truth, He is the life. And because of Easter, we can go to heaven. Number five, miracle five, last one, I'm almost done. Because He lives, we have Him. Because He lives, we have Him. Now church, make no mistake about it. There is a huge difference between knowing about Jesus... And knowing Jesus. In fact, I think it was Darla and her testimony said, I, I was raised in church, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. Well, we can be this way in our human relationships, can't we? Uh, Gary, I told the first service about uh, a guy I'd heard about when I was at Hillsdale. I was a college student at Hillsdale, and uh, a bunch of these older preachers were talking about this guy named Larry Norrell. I hear all these Larry Norrell stories about his time at Hillsdale. He was a student there. He was a teacher there. He became a preacher. He'd do crazy things like, uh, like uh, go on the interstate, Interstate 40, with a, with a gas can. And when people would run out of gas, he'd go over and fill their car up and tell them about Jesus and win them to the Lord and all kinds of stories about Larry Norrell. He went down to Tyler, Texas and, and, and pastored a church down there. It became one of the first mega churches ever. This is back in the early 80s. And his church just exploded with growth. And it was doing great. They had a big Sword of the Lord conference at his church. And here's his words. He said, I unraveled like a cheap sweater. He got out of ministry, left the church, became a businessman, went dirt poor at first, but then became a a millionaire. So I heard all these Larry Norrell stories. And then, then I moved to Pine Bluff and pastored the Oak Park Free Will Baptist Church. Well, come to find out, that was Larry's home church. Gary's your home church too. You, you were raised with old Larry Norrell, weren't you? Raise, raise your hand. You, you poor fella. You, you poor, you poor, poor, raised with Larry Norrell. So I go to Oak Park and I hear what? Larry Norrell stories. Everybody's got a Larry Norrell story. Man, I could have written a book about the guy and I'd never met him. I knew all about him, but I didn't know him. Well, God called me to Plano, Texas, and I announced I was leaving Oak Park and Pine Bluff moving to Plano and and his mama came up to me, dear precious Miss Helen. She had scribbled Larry's name and his phone number on a little bitty piece of paper and she handed it to me and she said, oh brother Will, when you get to Plano, would you please call my boy? He's out of church, he's away from Christ and he needs to turn his life around. Would you please call him? I said, Miss Helen, I promise you I'll call him. 
Hadn't been there but a month or two, and I called this guy on the phone. Remember, I heard all these Larry Norrell stories. I knew all about this guy, but I'd never seen him. I'd never physically seen him, never met him. Talked to him a couple of minutes on the phone. It was crystal clear this guy did not want to talk to me. He didn't want to have anything to do with me. So I hung up the phone, and I said, well, <laughs> dude, you want to be that way <laughs> on you, all right? Don't have time for you either. And then I thought to myself, well, I, I did what Miss Helen asked me to do. I'm clear and free of this. A few months later, I, I, I don't want to bore you with all the details, but I mean, it's an incredible series of events that occurred. And I called Larry Norrell back about eight months later. Totally, totally different conversation. He said, hey, let's meet for lunch. We met for lunch and, and instantly... Instantly, there was a bond formed between his heart and my heart. Come to find out that half of those stories I heard about him were not true. Go figure. The, the other half could not even begin to tell the story about how crazy that guy is. Right, Gary? Yeah, oh, man. Huge difference. Knowing about somebody. And knowing somebody. I could go on and on. You want me to tell you about Angie? No. I knew all about Angie. That little girl from Cornyn, Arkansas. Who came to Hillsdale with her sister. And her friend. And her mama. And her, her friend's mama. Man. I took mental note. Angie Archer. Knew all about her for a year before I asked her. Hey. You want to go get a Coke with me? Smartest thing I ever did. <laughs> and for the first time, we actually talked to each other. I knew about her. It's different getting to know her. You're here today and you know something about Jesus. All of us do. We know something about Him, right? It's not enough. You've got to know Him. And the only way you know him is by inviting him into your heart and having a personal relationship with him. Jason, that changes everything, doesn't it? It changes everything. So listen to it. Do you know him? Is he your best friend? Is he your savior? Is he your Lord? If not, would you invite him into your heart right now? He changes everything. You say you need a miracle? It's the best thing you can do. Great miracle when you invite him into your life and he changes you from the inside out. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. There may be someone in this room today that's never accepted Jesus as their Savior, but, but through this sermon God has spoken to you and, and told you, hey, this is what you need. You, you need me in your life. You need to invite Jesus into your heart. So I'm going to help you do that right now. If you really want Jesus in your life, if you want your sins forgiven, if you want to be a brand new person on the inside, if you want heaven as your home, then all you have to do is ask Jesus for it. You have to ask him in your heart. You do that by confessing your sins to him and asking him to be your savior. In fact, if you'd like to, I'd, I'd like to help you do that. So if you want to invite Jesus into your heart, would you pray this prayer with me? You can say it out loud or you can just say it in your heart. 
But say this, dear Jesus, I confess my sins to you. I invite you into my heart. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Change me. I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. Help me to live for you, dear Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Now, if you said that prayer and really meant it with your heart, you know what? Jesus has done that. He saved you. He's forgiven you. You're a child of God. You can rejoice in that. I, I would appreciate it if you'd come to the front here in a moment when we have this song of invitation and, and let us know about it. Don't be private about your faith. Go public today if you invited Jesus into your heart. You, you know what? It could be you're here this morning and your heart's just troubled. You're a believer, but your heart's troubled. Would, would you just bring all your trouble to the Lord and don't leave this room today with all the cares of the world weighing you down? Could be you're here today and you just want to come on this Easter Sunday and praise the Lord for what He's done in your life and to give Him thanks. I invite you to come and do that as well. Let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, make it easy for us to be able to respond to you today and to come by faith. Lord, take what is about to happen in this room and use it for your praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? These guys are going to sing. I invite you to come and pray right now. Step out. Come to Jesus. He's waiting for you.